Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Thanks, team. Man, it's good, isn't it, to be together? We are made to be together, right? I mean, golly. It's been four over four months, you right, since we've been able to gather. And I told the first service, you know, I was just beginning to be a hugger before COVID hit. And now, I'm, you know, I don't know. We're all messed up again. We're going to have to get back together and work on that, right? So um, hope everyone's well. It's great to see you here. Um, welcome back. It's going to be an interesting journey here as we gather and kind of learn to regather, shall we say. But uh, thanks for you there tuning online this morning. I'm excited. We're going to launch into a new series this morning. I'm super excited about, about hope and uh, about the last things. And those two together, the foundation of really understanding um, our hope is understanding the promises that we have from God that He has promised for us uh, in the future that are built upon all the promises that He's fulfilled leading up to this point. And uh, so we're going to encourage each other with those. I, I hope you'll join us. Um, and we're going to be in the book of Hebrews this morning, chapter 10. I encourage you, everybody online as well as here, just to, man, let's get back into the paper Bible. There's something about paper and paper journal that uh, eliminates so many distractions for us to really get um, into the Word of God this morning. Now, before I dive in, let me go over some announcements for us here. Otherwise, I'll get in trouble. A um, couple things. First of all, man, we want to help you get connected. So if you, um, boy, whether it's, you know, on Sunday mornings now that we're able to get back together or what we really want is people to, to get involved in discipleship here, one of our community groups, and uh, into our, in our smaller gatherings, our microchurches, our smaller churches, a group of people. And right here on the front row, we have our snow mass kind of church, gat home church gathering, and if you live up near Snowmass, or if you're interested in joining a larger uh, or a smaller group of people in worship and being the church uh, throughout the week or the month, please come talk to one of these folks here from Snowmass. We're launching these smaller groups all around, and uh, if you have any questions, we'd love to hear you from you on that. We just want to get you plugged in, discipleship, and I'm going to mention a couple of community groups to get plugged in here as well. Um, also, ladies, so here's some community groups starting this Wednesday. Our ladies are going to be meeting right here at 9.30 this Wednesday morning, and they're going to be going through, um, we'll get through this Max Licato study, which uh, Max is, is wonderful. This is a great, timely study. Uh, that's for all, open to all ladies starting this Wednesday at 9.30 right here in the sanctuary. So put that on your calendar. Uh, gentlemen, put on your calendar July 18th. Um, Andy Poole is hosting our second annual Cornhole Championship, and it will be a great time of fellowship. Yes, and uh, I think it's like an official sport now. It's kind of weird, but um, anyway, men, way to get connected. Every Wednesday morning, right here at 6.30 a.m., we gather for the forge to encourage each other. We're finishing up the Gospel of John. We're going to move right into the book of Acts. Uh, man, I can't say it enough. Come get plugged in. Meet other men, and we just dive into the Word of God and encourage each other with that. Also, every Friday morning at 6.30, our Forge Men's Gathering happens down valley, mid-valley, I should say. Bryant Reagan, one of our elders, leads that study. That's every Friday uh, morning. So, men, great place to get plugged in with other men to get into the Word of God. 
Um, let's see, what else, what else? Uh, thanks for those of you, just some feedback on the Daily Faith Builders. Um, we're going to change things up to starting tomorrow. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to use, try this out, and uh, kind of use those little daily nuggets to expand and supplement what we talk about here on Sunday. So we're just going to carry on Sunday each day and really break that down because I don't have time to really, I mean, we're in chapter 10 of Hebrews right now, and I'm telling you this, there's so much in this beautiful chapter, and I, I don't have time to give and go over all the context and everything we really need to dive into. So I'm going to use those little times every day to just give you more uh, stuff to think about, break down what we're talking about on Sunday. We're going to see how that goes. Give me any feedback you got on that. That would be wonderful. Also, we still have our text in. Those of you online, you can text in any prayer requests, comments, prayer requests. We're going to have an open prayer time as we end this service. Uh, feel free to um, text in any encouragement, testimony, whatever it may be. That number is 970 uh, Okay. I think that's all on the docket for right now. Let's dive in. Father, thank you, Lord. Um, Father, uh, I think one of the many things, God, you're doing during this time is, is you're stirring, Lord, your people. Stir our hearts, God. Father, renew a hunger for your word, Lord. Renew a hunger for your word, a, a sense of radical dependence on hearing from you, God. And Lord, stir our hearts, or as we're going to see in this passage, Lord, to, uh, to stir each other, Lord, up and encourage each other, Lord, that we wouldn't forsake gathering together. We were saved into a family, and we were meant to be together in fellowship. And Lord, we just ask that you would restore that, the real meaning of what church is all about, the real meaning of what gathering together is all about. Lord, teach us now your word, Lord. May you set our hearts a flame, Lord, encourage us. Holy Spirit, come, invade this time, Lord, awaken us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as we get into this, it's going to be chapter 10 of, of the book of Hebrews, starting in verse 19 this morning. I just want to ask you, how is your hope doing? How is your hope doing? It might seem like a strange question, but it's something really important, right? Hope is a critical, necessary aspect of of life. We need it to survive, to live. Uh, we need hope. And how's your hope doing? And maybe just a, a little deeper um, thought process here is what about your confidence? How is your confidence in the future doing? How's your confidence in the future? Um, what's your outlook on the future? Do you have confident, confidence for a preferred future? Do you have confidence for things are going to be better? Do you have confidence that the best part of your life is yet to come? Do you have confidence in that? Because if I just look at stats in the church and outside the church, especially among young people, is that confidence is all but disappeared. And there's a real struggle to have a confidence for that. They see themselves having a preferred future. But the problem is our, our idea of life is so myopic, is so right here. Rather than as followers of Jesus, it should be out there. Right, that God's promised eternal life. He's promised the kingdom. He has a promised an abundant life that begins here. And we should see a continuity 
right? Here on into eternity with Jesus' return, the restoration of the kingdom and all these things. We're going to end this series. We're not going to get, you know, caught up in all the, you know, the, the details of the end times and in some structures, premillennialism, all that stuff. What we're going to focus on this series is the fundamental orthodox promises of God. When I say orthodox, the foundational promises of Christianity that we see throughout history that are essential to orthodox Christianity, where there is no like debate, these things, if, if we deny them, we step outside of what Christianity actually is. That's where we're going to focus. Those are the bedrock issues. <clears throat> things like Jesus is returning to this earth, right? Things like when I die, when all of us breathe our last, the, at the last breath, the rock-solid blessing we have that, you know what? Is that immediately we're in the presence of God. We're with Him. To live as Christ, to die is gain, right? Some of these rock stars, Jesus is returning again to make all things right, to bring justice, like all the marching, all the intensity about justice. Jesus is the only one who's ever going to make that right. He promised he's going to make it all right. But remember, when we talk about justice, what oftentimes we look out and we say, oh, that evil injustice, well, we don't have that other finger. We don't really think deeply about the justice, about the justice that we need to stand under, right? That's where the gospel comes in. So those are some of the, the many things that we're going to be just looking at as far as the rock solid promises. What I want to do this morning um, is, uh, is break down this idea of hope just to get us into this, um, into this study this morning. And I want to give you a little thing to hold on to, okay? And uh, <clears throat> I hope you'll take this and just keep kind of wrestling with it, encouraging each other with it. But this is a, a, a biblical theological truth. Hope is confidence plus endurance. The big question here is, well, what am I confident in? My optimism, my hope, it has to have some foundation. What is that? And endurance is the other aspect. Man, when tough times come, and if we think this is bad, let's just get honest. Look back in history. This is nothing compared to Looking back in history, what we've gone through is nothing compared to what the majority of our brothers and sisters around the world are going through right now. Yeah. Nothing. Where's our endurance? Where, where's the, the, the strength and endurance? We see it all through the scripture. We see this, this strength, this, uh, this fortitude in when times get tough, when, we're pre- when the pressure comes on, what, what gets squeezed out? Unbelief or faith? Endurance. And what we're going to see is both of these things, they cannot happen in isolation. Both of these things, we have to stir each other up. And you can't stir each other up unless you gather together. Whether it be in a small group, and ideally both large and small, right? You got to gather together. That's, we were saved into a family, right? The family of God, and we're called to gather. It is all of the blessings of Scripture are, are come about through fellowship of uh, each of believers, right? Brothers and sisters in fellowship together. So the last thing here is just endurance. Is um, I think we just need to ask ourselves, how, how is our endurance doing? How are we enduring? How are we holding on, right, to, to our hope, to our confidence? Are we enduring well? And I want to take us in the book of Hebrews and just kind of, I don't have too much time. I'll hopefully build this week through, uh, through the, the Daily Faith Builder, but... Um, a little background in the book of Hebrews. Many scholars believe that this letter, um, we don't know exactly who wrote it. I personally think Paul did, but we're not sure who wrote this letter. But one thing's for sure is this letter was written to believers who were struggling with their faith. This book has the strongest warning passage of five 
very powerful, strong warning passages to the church, to believers of warning them to be careful not to drift away from the faith, not to lose their confidence in the gospel, in what Jesus has done for them, and to strengthen and encourage them to bolster their endurance through tough times. And uh, this, is, this is what lays the foundation of this, this whole letter was that the Christians at whatever specific setting this was too, that they were, they were not gathering as we're going to see. They started fading away from the importance of gathering. They didn't see that as important anymore. And they, they started drifting. Some of them drifted away from the gospel completely. Um, and in this uh, chapter 10, let me just, a little background. We, we won't have time to get here this morning, but let me just give, this is verse 35. To the church says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. In other words, the fear of drifting away, of losing the foundation of, of, of the gospel itself. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. This is where we're at today, church. Just like the, the Hebrew, the book, this letter was true, we, we have a faith, in, and, and I don't have time to give you every stat out there among God's people, but we're not a people hungry for the word of God. We're not a people living by the word of God today in the church. We're not a people hungry to be together and see that as essential as the family of God, that my spiritual development, my hope, my relationship with God is is radically dependent upon my fellowship with other believers. That if not, I will drift away. We've bought the lot because of our individualism here in America and vows and other things. Right there, somehow I can, I can grow with God and have my quiet time and be alone on this spiritual journey without fellowship of believers. Or I see that as just added on. It's just there if it's convenient to my life. That's nowhere to be found in Scripture. And the book of Hebrews specifically is dealing with this issue of drifting, the danger of drifting away from the faith, drifting away from a vitality and a confidence in the gospel and the ability, the strengthening to endure without each other encouraging and stirring each other up to love and good deeds, right? We drift. And you know what? We drift faster than we'd ever imagined. And we drift when it comes to our dependence on the word of God, of setting our mind on biblical way of looking at things. We drift quickly into the way the world sees things. The way we, we think about issues, cultural issues, is quickly like this. If we are not together encouraging and diving in the word of God, quickly the world takes over and how we think about things, how we view culture and, and, and all those things. If we don't gather right together. So... Hope equals confidence plus endurance. And we see this, these things working right um, throughout uh, the scripture. So that brings us to Hebrews um, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25 this morning. Let me just read this for us, and we're going to do our best to break this down, encourage one another with this this morning. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Remember, all through the text we see brothers, but the word adelphi means brothers and sisters. Therefore, body, family of God. Built into every bit of uh, the New Testament is this language of togetherness, is that we work out our sanctification, we work out our growth together. There's never this independent message in any of these letters. Remember, these were letters to be read to the gathered church. These were not letters to sit at home alone and to only engage God in the word with. 
if I don't have the community aspect of it, sooner or later, if I'm just alone engaging the scripture, I'm going to drift quickly from the truth of God and from following God. There's this intimate connection, right? God saves us into the family of God. And, uh, and just a little side note, gang, you know, we're, we've been through this confusing time of gathering, how we're going to gather here and all this stuff and regathering. But just a little reminder, around the world today, and just historically, even if you read, in, oh, we won't have time this morning, but uh, in chapter 10 alone, it, it says that they gathered at the cost of their property being taken, of radical suffering, of there was huge suffering they were going through that they had to endure to, from. Right now, this very moment, around the world, the majority of our brothers and sisters have to meet in secret, right, at the cost of life or peril, but they understand the importance of gathering together. I wonder what would happen to the church in America if it became illegal to gather. What would we do? We would flee like crazy. And throughout history, whether it be Rome or anything, it was they had to meet in the catacombs. They understood the cost of following Jesus. They understood the priority of gathering together. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus at whatever cost. Right, that that is historical precedent. Right now in China, I could take it to Iran. I could take it to places of India. Is there meeting in secret? Nothing laws of, nothing stopping them, because they obey God. Right, not the laws of the land. Right. Now that doesn't mean don't take that too far. It doesn't mean we don't obviously be wise and and with how we meet and and uh, all those different things. But I do fear that in this little experiment over the last four months. That something's been revealed that we're listening, we're more in tune with what the world is saying about fear and what might happen, right? And the lie that somehow we as a world and humankind can control viruses and all these other things. We need some humility, right? It's just like the world and, and the creation itself and viruses, everything else. We must rest in the providence of God, right? Not, not this pride that says we can handle this, we can do this. Right? That is a misplaced. That will only get us into trouble. And it will mislead a church body to, again, all right, drift desperately to have a more worldly perspective on things right, than a godly right, perspective on things. So here we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, listen to this. And that word in the, in the Greek, folks, also means a boldness. So don't, don't, this is, don't, don't take it like so many of us, myself, would take this very intellectually. Confidence, right? This confidence is speaking about not just an intellectual confidence, but it is a, a, an experiential confidence of understanding our salvation, what Jesus has done for us, and the confidence we have in the very presence of God. And this is why he's going to exhort us to draw near, but based on that confidence. It's a boldness that should be visible in our lives in how we worship God and how we treat his word. Have confidence. Since we have this confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. I'll get into more of that this week. Just incredible, beautiful stuff. The book of Hebrews breaks down for us what Jesus has prepared for us that we might boldly, confidently go into the very presence of God by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. His death is on the cross. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, 
It's beautiful. Jesus wiped away every bit of, fulfilled, I should say, all of the priestly work. And here is Jesus is the high priest. We don't need another priest. We don't need another religious system to go. Jesus, once and for all, has wiped all the way. If you step back to verse 14 in the same chapter. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Well, folks, put that verse to memory. That is the gospel empowered by one sacrifice. Jesus' historical event on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. By that one sacrifice, he has perfected for all time those who have faith in him. In other words, he has set upon you, if you know him, right, the for sure promises of the future that God is sanctifying. He's working in you, carrying out his ultimate purpose for your life that is sure and based upon right, the facts of God's word and his promises in the past and his promises in the future for us. And by that act, folks, by the way, Jesus separates himself from every other religious person, every other priest in the world, every other process whereby humankind can try to achieve something and uh, has paved the way into the very presence, into the very holy of holies where, where the Father I- exists. And, and so he goes on, verse 22, to exhort us, let us therefore um, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Those are all the things that Jesus, we can't do, no matter how religious we want to get. We cannot, no one can accomplish those things only by faith in what Jesus and the Holy Spirit have done right for us through the Father's great love, right? Verse 23, let us hold fast the confident, the confession of our hope. without wavering, without wavering. Let's hold the confession of our hope. This is verbal, a restoration of the verbal aspect of the hope that is in us in the gospel itself. Verse 24, let us consider how church to stir up one another, not just from the stage, one another, to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Man, there's a lot in there, right? But that could not be any more applicable to where the church in America is today, right now. We need to hear this. Hold on, church, to your confidence, right? Hold on, right, to your endurance, Get your feet firmly planted on the gospel and what Jesus has done for you, who you are in his eyes, right? And restore a healthy idea of what church is. I believe one of the many things God is doing is, remember, when God does, when he allows, does, whatever we want to argue with that, when these kind of things happen, he's primarily concerned about his people, how his people are going to respond. Remember, the scripture says, judgment begins with the house of God, begins with his people first, He's most concerned about the purity of his people, the purity of his household. God's restoring, right? And boy, let us not miss this opportunity to heed the corrective that God is is saying and desiring for his people to to heed and and take hold of um, in this time. So let's, uh, let's dive in here, just these two aspects of confidence and endurance this morning. This idea of confidence, so... If I'm confident, that means I, I, what am I confident in? 
And boy, you just go turn the TV on. You hear politicians or others, and let me just give you a few. It's like, we will get a cure. We'll get a, vi- we'll get a vaccine or whatever for this. We'll conquer this. We can take care of this. We can handle this. We'll fix this. Everything's going to be okay. Just go down whatever politicians or leaders or even people we talk to. Oh, it'll all work out. It'll all be fine. How do you know? How do you know your life is going to? How do you know it's all going to be okay? And let me tell you, this is a great discussion, right, with people. When they, people just say this kind of optimistic language is drill in. How do you know? What's your confidence? What's your hope built upon? Why are you saying it? Why do you think things are going to work out okay? Because when I look at the history of the world, it, it, it's not, I don't know if we can say it's getting better, right? Well, what confidence do we have, right? Um, I love this by J.R. Packer. I just want to read this for us um, because there's such a difference here, folks, between the confidence of the world and the confidence of God's people. And our confidence, folks, is built upon the rock-solid promises of God. When we, are, when we talk about hope, it's built, our confidence is built on what Jesus has done in history and then personally for us, right? Um, that, that has to be the source of, of our confidence. And when we talked about the confession, that is the confession of our hope that we are to, especially during times like this, speak to other people, engage other people, right, with the, the testimony of God and the hope we have in him. We need to be changing the conversation, getting it off all the junk that's out there and quickly move the discussion to the real hope, the real issues in people's hearts, the foundation of people's confidence and our confidence to be able to share, right, turn that conversation. And that's what Jesus, when he tells us that we're witnesses, that's what he means is, is we're to be folks who come in as light and salt in the world to change the conversation. Right, to turn it inward deeply into the fundamental issues so that we can share of the hope and the confidence right, that's inside, inside our heart. But this is what Packer says. Optimism hopes for the best without any guarantee of its arriving and is often no more than whistling in the dark, wishful thinking. That's optimism. Human optimism has zero, has zero foundation for for the, is anything ever going to happen? It's just this pie in the sky. It's just this kind of wishful thinking. Oh, it'll all be all right. Or, oh, America, we're going to, America's great. We're going to do it. Really? Christian hope, by contrast, is faith looking ahead to fulfillment of the promises of God. Amen. Optimism is a wish without warrant. Christian hope is a certainty guaranteed by God himself through what he's done through Jesus Christ. That, if our confidence is not built on that, we will drift. And without gathering together to stir up one another, to make sure that we're gospel-centered and firmly standing upon what Jesus has said, what he's done for us, we will drift. And folks, we drift quick. And if you just take a look at what's happening inside the church today, look at the drifting going on. The drifting begins with taking kind of a, a, a sanitized view of the scripture. Right, it's just sanitizing it with the cultural moves of the day. That starts drifting away. And then the idea of church itself, right? It gets, gets minimized. Right? The idea of needing each other and the ability even to have a format for stirring up each other, right, gets minimized. And we quickly, right, will drift away. He says, draw near to a, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Folks, that's some strong Right? The, the expectation of Jesus for us is to draw near to the Father because of his sacrifice with the assurance of faith. 
I fear that what's going on, and I'm going to call it our therapeutic culture today, is, is we have more language about talking about why I can't get to God, why my heart is, is wounded and why I'm struggling and why I'm, I can't get to that abundant life. I can't re- get to God. That's where we're keeping people to. That's where the discussion is at. Folks, we need a breakthrough on this. Jesus has done everything to get anybody, no matter what the trauma of the past or current is, to get them into the very presence of God. That is the primary focus of God's people in his church, is to get people gospel-centered and moving, drawing near to God, the one who is the healer, the one who sets his people free, ultimately. Does that make sense? Right? In other words, if I stay on the outside, I'll never draw near. And, and look what this passage says. This is powerful, right? It, and it doesn't make excuses for my issues. His death and resurrection are sufficient. If I'm not willing to draw near to him, then that's on me. Right? He, he has done everything it takes. Along with his church, stirring each other up, right? This direction, we need the encouragement of others. We just can't do it alone. I got I to lock arms, right, with others. But look at these powerful words. It says, let us draw near the true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That is the result of what it is being saved. That's the result of the Holy Spirit working in a person who's genuinely saved where faith is reigning and confidence is reigning. And this idea of having our hearts sprinkled, right, and from an evil conscience. Look, there's only roughly two options in the world for hope. Only two. You can just wield it right down to it. The two options are this. Either my confidence is going to be in what humankind can do or my confidence is in what Jesus can do. There is no gray zone. Every religion in the world outside of Christianity falls over here because every religion in the world is based upon my religious works to hopefully maybe please God. My hope is in, even if I'm an atheist or secular, my hope is over here that mankind can do it. We're evolving. We're going to figure this out with technology. That is the way of the world. There is no hope. There's no promise of hope in this. The other one is the good news that God has blazed into the history of our world, bringing Jesus in the hope of faith in him who is the rock-solid hope. And when we receive Jesus, I come to him with a heart that has a, a, a conscience that is evil. Now, what does that mean? That sounds so harsh. Well, the reality, there's only really three conditions for a human heart. There's only, I'm, in, I'm in one of three areas. Really, there's no other option according to scripture. One area is that I am uh, just consumed with shame and guilt. In other words, my conscience of who I am. In other words, I have a weak self-worth. I, I don't believe God that I deserve anything and it keeps me from drawing near to God and I'm, I'm bound up with things, wrong feelings of myself. I'm, I'm, I'm bound up and I, 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 I don't have the confidence, right, to, to blaze ahead and my heart is still struggling with shame and guilt, maybe over the past and the gospel hasn't fully set me free, fully uh, redefined, right, sanctified me and and, and seeing that I have a heavenly father who I can blaze ahead and leave that behind. That's one place. The other place is the worst place. And the scripture talks about don't drift away. Don't let your heart grow hard. This is the worst case of the heart. In other words, is if we start drifting towards the world and away from the word of God and his fellowship, the encouragement of God's people, my heart can slowly harden. And a hardened heart is a heart that just slowly gets apathetic towards spiritual things, slowly doesn't really worry about my standing before God. A heart that just says, I'm content with just going after the horizontal plane of this life. 
And when it comes to things like guilt and shame, we do everything we do to numb those thoughts. When it comes to my, my standing before God, is, is that gets replaced with my standing before other men. Right? And, and my heart hardens. And that is a dangerous place to be. Again, the writer says, be warned. Watch out you don't drift away. Watch out, church, that your heart. And this is, folks, this is not t- I'm talking about people out there. The warning is to those in the church. Watch out that your heart does not harden, right, with, with the things of the world and in tough times. And, and we start embracing, right, more of the world. The third option for my heart this is the one that we all should be living in. This is the place of hope. This is the place where our confidence is in it. Even with all my failings, even with all of my brokenness, even with all my mess, even with all my lack of assurance, all of that is that my confidence, I'm fully standing on the gospel. I'm fully standing and drawing near to God, realizing I'm not, I'm not held back by the shame, not held back by the guilt, but I know and I'm saying my confidence is, Jesus, you are sufficient what you've done for anything I'm dealing with. And I will not budge from that place. Even under the attack of the enemy, even under the attack of COVID, even under the attack of whatever, all the junk that these people had to go through, under all that, my confidence is in Jesus, what you have said over me and my faith in you. That is where the conversation has to go. That's the place of confidence. And it, the expectation, I just want to say, it's like some people say, oh, Steve, that's not very sensitive, right, to those who are hurting. No. It is the message that needs, that is the gospel. The gospel is we are, God expects because of the incredible sacrifice Jesus went through, he expects his people to move into a place of assurance and great confidence based on the work of God. And the only way I can do that, the only way you can do that is, again, keeping our eyes, right, confident on the work of Jesus that this chapter beautifully lays out for us and being regularly with God's people to stir up one another. Brothers, sisters, let's encourage each other. We've got to stand firm on what Jesus has done, especially in times like these. And when it goes on to say, to do these things, because the end, even as the day draws near. Why does he say that here? Because you know what? As the day draws near, guess what? The scripture says more people will fall away. More people in the church's hearts were hardened. More people in the church, and folks were seeing it at, the, at a place that none of us has seen before. People who've claimed the name Jesus, people who've walked with Jesus, people who've been in the church, the evangelical church, who are drifting and bailing out by huge numbers. So watch, church. As the day draws near, there will be those teachers who rise up who want to tickle people's ears, Right? I'm going to tickle people's ears just to keep the show going on. And what does the writer of, of Timothy and others have said? That is drifting to a hard heart, even to apostasy, right? So stay confident, church. The beginning of this chapter says that for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, I just want to, in other words, I'll get into this this week with us, but oh my goodness, the law, the Old Testament, the whole process of sacrifice and everything, it, it's just a shadow, it says. It's just a shadow of what God had in store for us before sending Jesus to fulfill all that, that we now boldly can go, the priesthood is wiped out. You, you are the priesthood of God. That's how the church should operate, not dependent on some hierarchy of, that's, we need to blow that thing up. Each person is too. Be a priest unto God and to each other. That's how the church is to operate. Man, 
the freedom that's there. But folks, without Jesus, without the gospel being at the center, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and everything, the kingdom that is involved, without that, God remains a shadow. Without Christian fellowship centered around the gospel, God remains a shadow to people. Only something that's vague, only something that I can't touch, only something that's not, I can't kind of experience out there. Without the gospel being restored to the sinner, God remains in the shadows. And folks, uh, we know too many people sitting in churches around America where God is still in the shadows. We haven't drawn near. And through Christian fellowship, we should. It is in that context that he promises in a special way to meet with us, manifesting his presence powerfully through the Holy Spirit as we gather right together. So just a couple words on endurance, and then we'll wrap up. But look at this last verse uh, 25, or 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of uh, of some. But boy, let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day right drawing near. Folks, endurance we see in Scripture, as I read earlier to you, the writer of the Hebrews was writing to those believers and saying, you are, church, you're in such need of endurance. You're in such need to awaken again to that strength that fortifies your confidence in who Jesus is. And, uh, and his way of, of, of getting there is like because you have neglected gathering together in small groups and in larger groups is the only way that we're going to increase and restore hope in the life of the church is to see that we need to gather together to stir up one another and to encourage one another as we see, especially the day drawing near. Because, folks, here's the deal. As the day draws near, the, the squeeze on Christian faith will come. And, again, we could go around the world to see where that squeeze is much further right ahead. Is, is he said, as you see that day, as the squeeze comes, as the trials come more, even more important, church, that you gather together. If not, you will drift. So encourage each other. And when we encourage each other, especially during this time, folks, haven't you felt the need? Is just, man, even just a little Christian. I was talking to so one of the folks at the first service. He says, man, I just need this. You know, I need to be stirred up. It's just something about physical fellowship with someone that, and, and get into God talk and encourage each other. It just lifts. That's, that's what this is all about, right? And Jesus promises, right, that he's in the midst of, uh, of us doing that. So I'm going to end there. Folks, just take this, this little equation or wherever you want. I pray you just kind of sink into it. Ask the Lord to pray around these ideas of restoring hope, your confidence, your hope in the Lord, your endurance. Who are the people you're locking arms with? Who are the people who are stirring up your soul, right, to love and good works? Who are the people holding you accountable to? Who are the people that you are moving where Jesus is at the center? I'm not talking about just fellowship and fun time. Who are the people you're meeting with regularly that you guys, you're focused on Jesus. He's at the center of what's going on, not something else. That's church, large group and smaller group. That's what we must multiply. And so I just say this with all this in me and and to those of you watching out there, um, 
man, let us know how we can help you. Let us know how we can help get you plugged into discipleship, into a community group, right, and into one of our microchurches. We must be able to gather, right, powerfully in smaller groups to be the church as well as in larger groups. And I think that's what God is really, one of the things, many things that he's, right, doing in this time. So uh, just in in closing, I just wanted to, Derek's going to come and and just kind of play for us here. Uh, let's be the church. Jesus said simply, hey, the house of God is to be a house of prayer. And how do we stir each other up? How do we do that? How, how do we stir each other up to love and to good works? What does that look like? And so we're just going to take some time and do it. There's two microphones set out here for you. If God puts it on your heart to come and bring something short, <laughs> right, important, short in encouragement for the body, a prayer over us. Uh, we have some beautiful passages read over us the first service. Um, boy, just come and share, right? Stir us up, right? To love and good works, right? Um, just take, take that time. And that's, remember, this is the church at work. This isn't just Derek and I up here, right? This is the church stirring each other up, right? To, to love and, and good works. And let's just take some time, folks, just to, to uh, heed what we've read here to draw near to him. Right, to draw near to him. Like, go, go in confidence before your father. Take some time just to rest in him. And again, if the Lord puts something on your heart, bring it to us. Encourage us this morning. Let me just give a caveat. There is, this microphone has no place for any political messages. The only message that, could come, that needs to come across that microphone is a kingdom of God message, right? I'm sure everybody gets that, right? Let's encourage each other as we see the day coming. And folks, Jesus promised he is returning to make all things right and to make all things new. And we see all in the scripture for God's people, our confidence, our hope as it grows. What we will see in the church is a more longing for Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. I fear today that we are more focused on a social justice avenue rather than, right, the aspect of spiritual justice. And let me tell you, nothing wrong with social justice, but if social justice gets removed from spiritual justice, the gospel work is that we have gone the way of the world. We have drifted radically. And it is up to God's people to make sure that spiritual justice always is at the tip of the spear in our process. Otherwise, we drift and the world takes over, right, in in our process. So, um, man, let's encourage each other. And uh, I'm just going to pray for us and just take some time. You can just stay where you're at. You can move around. You can kneel, whatever you want to do. Let's just enjoy God. He is here, right? He's here. If you know Jesus, he's in your, by the Holy Spirit. But he is really here when God's people gather together and call upon him. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, for your gospel. Jesus, what you've done for us, you've blazed the trail. There's nothing left that needs to be done except for us, by faith, to lay hold of those promises and lay hold of assurance and to obey by drawing near. Bolster the confidence of your people, Lord. Jesus, send forth the Holy Spirit in a special. Father, send forth the Holy Spirit among us now. Burn our hearts for hunger for you, Lord. Lord, show us how to stir each other up. Love, good deeds, good works. Love you, God. Come.
Holy Spirit, move, move among your people right now in a powerful, manifest way. In Jesus' name. Enjoy his presence. Come and encourage us as the Lord leads. Hey, I want to, I want to stir us up. I'm excited to stir us up this morning. I'm just going to read a word. I'm just going to read a word to us and uh, give a little brief exhortation and then pray for that exhortation to, to be fulfilled in our lives. But first things first, we, we gather together. The be- one, part of the beauty of us gathering together is that we get to call upon our Lord. We're in his presence. We can freely enter in his presence. And I want to call upon healing for Derek this morning. And I'm going to call upon, upon somebody um, specifically to pray. Um, I'm just looking over. I see the Woodrow clan over there. There's, there's five women in that family. It's a super powerful uh, group of women. And I'm going to call on one of the, one of the Woodrow girls to, to, if they would, come up and pray for Derek for healing. Um, our, our, our Lord is a healer, right? And we believe we have confidence that he's going to heal you, brother. And um, as we're gathering in his presence this morning, we, we get to do this. We, that's, that's part of the beauty of us gathering together is that we get to call upon the Lord and we get to pray for healing and watch him. Uh, do amazing things. So I just want to call on one of the Woodrow girls, if you would. If you don't stand up, I'm going to call one of you out by name. <laughs> All of you. That's good. Love it. You're going up there? I guess so, yeah. You can, you can do it up there. You can do it through the mic. Just, just do it through the mic on that, that side, yeah. First and foremost, thank you for Derek um, and just his incredible gift of worship and leading us in worship. Um, so, Lord, we just ask that you would, um, God, take these shingles out of his eyes. Lord, would you remove the scales from his eyes, God, in the name of Jesus? Um, we just pray that you would, um, God, open his eyes. God, you say that you would open the eyes of our heart. Um, so, Lord, ultimately, would you just, um, would your spirit fall upon Derek? God, would he um, see another level of your spirit god glory to glory we speak that over derek right now lord um and that he would be able to lead us to a new glory um as his eyes are opened um lord and these shingles are removed from his eyes god would the scales be removed from all of our eyes um lord in the name of jesus um yeah lord we're just we thank you that we can um stand before you today um together lord that's huge and we um, Lord, I thank you for the father figure that Mr. Brown is, um, not only over his children, but over um, our entire family, over the five siblings. We view him as a father also, and we're thankful for the prayer that he has sat before um, our family and deeply prayed over us for healing, and that healing we've seen again and again, Lord. And so um, it's an honor to be able to stand here today, and Lord, and pray over healing for him, Lord. Um, we thank you that we get to gather together, Lord. Um, and we pray that you take this sickness away in your almighty name, Lord. And we thank you. Yeah, God, I um, second everything my sisters say in the name of Jesus. We pray healing over uh, Mr. Brown. We thank you so much that um, the sickness has not hindered him from his purpose uh, to lead us all into worship and um, to live a life for you. But in the name of Jesus, we call healing. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. You girls just stirred me up in faith right there. I want to read this in 2 Timothy 2. It says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteousness living, righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And then Paul Paul goes on to exhort Timothy, right, in this passage, and he tells him, he said, you got some difficult times ahead. There's going to be some, some difficult times where people will turn away from it. As Steve was, was preaching how this ties in with his message is, is Paul exhorted Timothy to preach the gospel. He exhorted him to do the work of an evangelist. And so we see the fruit from that coming that he said, hey, gently instruct them and that, that they, perhaps they will turn from these evil ways, that the, that the Lord will turn them from these evil ways. So I want to pray for us right now because I, I, if you feel like you can't be an evangelist, number one, I want to pray that that would change and, and be transformed right now, that you would realize the power that, that God is with you and that he wants you to be an evangelist. He wants you to preach the gospel. He wants you to speak the truth and to stay away from these ignorant, useless conversations that are taking place in our culture right now, okay? He, he exhorts us not to do that, all right? They're meaningless. They're pow- powerless. They will do nothing but destroy us and take us away from the truth. And he says, hey, turn your eyes from that, and I want you to focus on the truth, okay? If you get into a conversation that you get, try to get drawn into these ignorant conversations, all right? As Steve pre- preached, we are to change the environment. We are to change these conversations, amen? And so I just want to exhort us in that. And pray right now, um, guys, that, that we would come alive. This is a time of any. We, we look around in the church and we don't see people standing up. We don't see the truth being preached um, the way we, we, we would like for it to be. Well, guess what? We're the ones who are the agents to change that. Amen. So, Lord, I just I pray right now. Um, Lord, I pray that um, for anyone who, Father, just feels powerless. Um, for one, Lord, I pray that you would make certain in them that they have the confidence that their salvation is true. Lord, that their salvation is real. Um, Lord, if there's a hesitation to share the gospel, Lord, may that may you reveal that if it's not, if their salvation is not true or real, to, that they would have a desire um, to share the gospel, Lord, that you would bring them to, to true salvation. Lord, we, we should be um, bursting at the seams to share the goodness of what you've done in our hearts, God. And I pray that right now would take root in each one of us, that there would be a fruitfulness in our, in our hearts and our lives to want to share the goodness of what you've done. Lord, to spread the truth, to, sh- to share the gospel fullness, Lord God, the way you've given it to us in the power of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray that over everyone here today, that there would be a newness, a new, new desire in our hearts and in our lives, God, to share it with, even if those who, who, who have been in our lives for a long time that we have neglected to share it with, that we would come alive that our eyes and we prayed for the eye the scales to fall off lord let our scales fall off of our eyes lord to see those around us that you placed in our lives lord to share the gospel with lord that perhaps you 
the Almighty God would turn them, turn them from the evil ways and from the power of the devil and to, and to bring truth into their life and their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Andre Duta, and uh, my girlfriend and I are here in uh, Aspen for about a week. We're from Austin, Texas. We attend Mosaic Church in Austin, and uh, for the last four months has been a virtual experience. So this is the first time in four months for us to attend a physical church. So it's such a great honor to be here in Aspen, Colorado. Um, as I was listening to this wonderful message about fellowshipping together as brothers and sisters in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 comes to mind. And this is a blessing from the Lord to you and to me, to all of us. May the grace and unmerited favor of our Lord Jesus Christ and the unambiguous, never-ending love of God and the joyous fellowship that we share in the Holy Spirit. And I will say it again. And the joyous fellowship that we share in the Holy Spirit. Be with you and me and us forever and ever. In Jesus' name. May God bless you. May God bless us all. In Jesus' name. Amen. What's your name, brother? Andre, thank you. That's so awesome. Thank you, brother. Speaking God's word over us, man, we receive it. Um, I wanted to share something. First of all, I wanted to say thank you, Pastor Steve, um, for, the, for the message that you shared this morning. I know that it cost you something that none of us know. And I wanted to say thank you, and I wanted to pray that God will bless you. I, I wanted to pray that God will bless you and keep you, that he will make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, and, and um, he will prosper you in all of your ways, and that he will keep you and give you his peace. And I pray for protection for you and your whole family. And, and I know that your, what you um, shared with us this morning, it encouraged all of us. And I just want to say thank you, because it's so good. And I wanted to share from... Revelations chapter 13, um, starting on verse 10, it says, If anyone is to be taken captive into captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for endurance and faithfulness from the saints. And then in chapter 14, it says, verse 12, it says, This calls for endurance from the saints who keep God's commands and their faith in Jesus. Um, this is probably something that we don't hear a lot, um, but I think that this is a reality for a lot of people all over the world, that they will be killed with the sword, that they will be held captive because of their faith in Jesus. And I think the time is coming for us to be prepared to suffer the persecution that is a privilege to us as his sons and daughters. And it's a privilege to know that we are serving our king. And that just as Pastor Steve um, shared, he's coming to make everything right. And if we endured until the end and we don't, we don't get discouraged, we are going, each one of us, we're going to receive our reward. So I wanted to encourage you all. And I wanted to pray real quick, Father God, that you will stir up faith in our hearts, Lord. 
that no matter what comes our way, no matter what comes our way, just like we were singing before, God, we know that you're better, that you're good, that you love us and that you're with us and that you will never leave us. That is your promise to us, that no matter what happens, you will never leave us. Nothing in this world can ever separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Nothing, nothing and nobody. So I pray, Father God, that you will encourage our hearts right now. That you will give us new faith to walk every day with our eyes set on you, Jesus. Because you're the author and the finisher of our faith. And you're our king. And you're coming soon. And your reward is with you. So we praise you, King Jesus. And we say, come. Lord, come. Come. We praise you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh boy, this is not easy for me, but it's in my heart. Um, first of all, I want to thank God for 25 years with my beautiful wife. That was June 3rd, married here in Aspen, Colorado. Uh, more importantly, I want to thank Steve and this body for what this church has done for our marriage, our family, our relationships. And I hope and pray that if we can with God's help, give just a small percentage of what he's given us and this church has given us uh, will help make this world a better place. So thank you all for your friendships, your guidance, your leadership, your love. I just want to thank you for the Brown family, for the Butler family, for the Henderson family, for Bob Brining, all the leaders, all the elders of this church. And Father, I want to thank you for our country. I want to thank you, Father, for our uh, leadership that we have there, not only in the country, but also in our government, in the county, in the far beautiful, beautiful Roaring Fork Valley. Lord, I lift them all up to you, all fathers and all mothers, Lord God, that, Father, they be rooted in your word every day, that, Father, we can share this incredible hope, the endurance to our children, that we master that as, our par as parents to them, Lord God, that we would follow in your footsteps of Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this incredible blessing to be here. I love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, amen. Would you all stand? Would you all stand with us? Lord, thank you for just uh, speaking through your church today. Thank you, God. Each person here, Lord, each person that follows you, God, we are each part of your body. Lord, and each of us know what it's like to be injured and to have uh, a part of our body that we can't use. We just don't feel complete. 
There's some things maybe sometimes we can't even accomplish or do. So, Lord, we pray that each person in your body, each one of us, Lord, would know that we are pardoned. Lord, let each one of us know that we need the other. We need the others. And God, may you increase that value, a holy knowledge, Lord, that we can behold the body of Christ. Lord, that we can come together and stir one another up to spur one another on, Lord. Let us use our faith, God. We are spiritual beings, and God, you've made us alive by your Spirit. Lord, forgive us when we go back and live a mere physical life. Thank you, O Lord, for awakening our hearts together today. Lord, may we use our faith, our hope in you, God, for the blessing of you, our Lord, and for the blessing of those around us. Let us be a light in this world, Lord. We love you and we thank you. We pray for your will in our lives, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.